Hey guys, it's Ella. This is the last of a series of three interviews that I've done in the area of financial health, money mindset, and how your financial well-being has everything to do with wellness in general and your pursuit of excellence in your own life. So enjoy this chat with Christina who comes to us from more of a business perspective and shares with us more about the intersection of wealth, health, and happiness. Here we go. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today we continue in our personal development series with Miss Christina Wise. Hey Christina, how are you? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you on. What I love to do is just have you tell us who you are and what you do, Christina. You know, my story is... uh... To keep it very short and simple, I started in the real estate industry, so that's really my background. Most people that know me, let's say locally or nationally, is attached to real estate. I was a real estate producer. I was a real estate broker. So that was my background. And then, you know, I burned the candle at both ends. I think so many, like so many entrepreneurial types, type A personalities, very driven, ambitious, success and achievement oriented. And 2013, I I dropped out of life because I was fighting for my life, had a very close near-death experience. And it was a horrible year, the worst year of my life. But I have to say it was the best year of my life too, because it gave me a whole new perspective on the meaning of life, what's important, what isn't important. And I realized at the time that you know, I really thought I'd done everything right, that I was following what all the books told us to do, to succeed and, and to work hard and to overachieve. And I was good at that. I mean, I did what, you know, what I was supposed to do. The irony is that it almost killed me. And what, even though I was a pretty good practitioner about with money, because I was a single mom, grew up very poor, was broke, was practically bankrupt and very scared. So I made it my personal ambition to learn this money thing. Never thought in a million years that I would teach it or write a book about it. It was just my own personal passion because I, like I said, I grew up poor and knew I didn't want to live that way for the rest of my life. And two, then I found myself $150,000 in debt and in total financial crisis. I didn't want to you know, I didn't want to create for a future for my kids that, you know, I thought I'd escape from. So like I said, I made it my personal ambition to become really good at money and business for the sake of the money. <laughs> and I got very good at that. But what I didn't realize is that I was also sacrificing my health for my wealth. And then my health broke down. And I learned through that experience is that my body's my number one asset. And so all a lot of sort of life le- lessons came together, you know, to me all at once when I'm on that proverbial deathbed. And, and when I got a second chance, I really made it my personal passion to teach what I learned about money and wealth. Number one, how to be prudent with money and learn sort of what we all should have learned in middle school, because 
we don't learn money and we find ourselves in financial crisis like I did in my early 30s. But then also to understand that money is important, but it's not about the money. It's not about achievement. It's not about success necessarily. It's about producing freedom and a life of meaning, like truly. And then we have to really get to the bottom of what is freedom and what is a life of meaning and what is my purpose. And and so that year of hell actually ended up being this real big spiritual journey for me. And outside of that, I made it my personal mission to teach the lessons I learned really on my deathbed about this intersection of money, health, and happiness. So how do you describe what you do now, Christina? I'm actually an author. I'm a financial author in the sense that I'm just finished my second money book. So writer, author one, I'm a teacher. I actually teach money and that's my personal mission. I mean, my, my real mission is to help smart entrepreneurial women achieve money success so that, that they can be debt free, have loads of cash because cash is security and have the time, which comes is attached to money, basically some time freedom means it's attached to financial freedom. So really to help women find the time and finances to do whatever they want to do. And especially like, you know, women that feel they've earned this right to be financially free because of the they've pushed through that's made them successful and strong. And that's my mission to help women, like especially smart women, hardworking women that sort of kick ass in every other area of life. But this money thing is the one place where they're quiet about, they're a little ashamed of, ashamed of maybe that they haven't figured it out. And if you looked underneath the money hood, it's not quite working right. And it doesn't take a lot. I, you know, just a few mechanics I can teach anyone, but like my, my mission and passion is, is women to, Hey, let's crank this here. Let's crank this there work. You know, I've got a few parts missing and we can get this Ferrari engine running. There's a lot of shame associated with people's unhealthy habits or their relationship with money or their financial situation. We're open to asking questions and challenging ourselves about our health and our wellness and asking the tough questions about how we're feeding ourselves. And I just want to sort of rip the veil off of the money stuff because a lot of people who are pursuing physical wellness are still sticking their head in the sand or feeling shame around their money issues. So that's why I think the metaphor is particularly useful is because if you're willing to ask the tough questions about how to take care of yourself and how to pursue the best version of you, then let's carry that into this arena and let's like, let's rip the veil off and let's take a hard look at how we're treating money, how, whether we're hiding from money and ask ourselves some of the same questions, Christina, because that's half the value is just developing your own awareness and being willing to challenge yourself with the right questions. I believe when you do that, the resources come and the resources enter your life. So I want to just ditch the shame and have an open conversation and share some, some tips with everybody, Christina, on kind of where to start. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually have a blog that's called shame. So if you, if you write the word shame, but you use the S as a money sign, if you can picture that, And there's a lot of shame with money and especially with women I found is because we successful women, especially is that there's the shame that, okay, I figured everything out else out, but I haven't figured out this money thing and I have some debt or, you know, money is just not quite working for me the way I thought it would be by now. And so it's a lot of shame. It's a lot of feeling like eating that, you know, half gallon of ice cream in the fridge when nobody else can see you. It's, it's, it's the same thing. Like I know my financial situation, even though everything looks really good on the outside and people are talking about me and I'm known to be very successful, but man, I hope they don't look at my books. You said that you like to start with people and share how to be prudent with money. What are some of the most common mistakes that you're seeing when you work with people? 
It's, I mean, it's like eating. So when you really get into food and being healthy, you start to study the science a little bit. You understand the difference of why a paleo diet may be over a high carb diet. You don't have to be, you know, a nutritionist, but you understand ketogenic. You understand um, certain sort of healthy fats over, you know, bad fats or whatever. So the more you know when you get into this journey with food, the easier it is to be healthy because you understand kind of underneath the fundamentals of what's happening, why these things are so important, just versus being on the fad diet. So. Same thing with the money side is that even though money's obvious, you earn it, you spend it, what's not obvious is how it works. And money has science to it, just like food has science. (laughs) Money has science and fundamentals. It has laws that if we learn those, we can use them to our advantage. But if we don't know them, this sort of this uh, materialistic commercial world we live in, it's, it's rigged against us. <laughs> and so if you don't understand, you're kind of a pawn on the chessboard, unless you have the knowledge, then it's going to be very likely that you have credit card debt, meaning you're spending more than you can. You don't have, you, you know, that you can really afford and that you don't have savings, which cash is security. So when people feel insecure financially, that means they don't have cash and they don't have any mechanism that they're building for passive income or retirement or, you know, whatever label they want to give it. I don't necessarily like the word retirement, but I like the word passive income, meaning building assets that where that asset will produce income that eventually will replace our working income. We don't have any knowledge of how different revenue streams work and how cash flow works and how to move money through our books so that we can get money momentum and compounding and growth. And so what's naturally natural is like, oh, just money in, money out. You know, hopefully I have a little bit left at the end of the month. And that's the recipe for disaster. That's being on the wrong lifestyle diet. So some people are feeling really overwhelmed right now. Where do you recommend that somebody starts if they have a little bit of debt to crushing debt, but maybe they just don't have their finger on the pulse of their financial picture? What I suggest is make it a mission, make it a goal. Maybe that's a better word. Mission's a big word. Make it a goal to get some money savvy. Like we have to learn. I mean, I think bottom line money, it's, it's a knowledge based science. It's, it's, it's learning based. It's knowledge based, meaning there's something to know. There's a know how. And so it's a little bit of a study. So if we want to really move our life towards having the time freedom, which money, only money can buy, then we have to understand sort of the basics of money. So just make it a goal to get good at it. And here's, that's the bad news is that it takes some time and some study. Money is knowledge based. It's like an applied science, like anything else. The good news is, is that we're so scared of money. So especially women, there's just sort of this Again, to think women and money, we've not even had access to really be in charge of our own money, be investors or whatever. I mean, for centuries. So money is relatively a new thing for women. So we can't feel bad about it. We have just sort of this innate fear of money. And it's not like we can describe it or explain it or rationalize it. Mm -hmm. It's just there. But now it's time to change that. So that's the first thing. But I think the fear, it's just so cultural and embedded into our sort of DNA that we think it's harder than it really is. We abdicate it. We just make, we can be really good earners, but we just want somebody else to do the money, you know, just put it way out there and just tell me I'm making enough, you know, 
but that's not the way it works. But the good news, that's the bad news. We need to learn a few things. But the good news is, is money's pretty damn simple. Like when I teach it, I think that's the big aha. People are so trepidatious and scared. You know, they are scared, most of them, to take the money course because they're just afraid this thing is going to be so overwhelming. And that's the way they enter. Almost any, everyone enters the course that says, I'm so happy to be here and I'm scared to death. By the time they get about a week or two in it, they're like, really? Are you telling me I've been scared of this thing this entire time and it's this easy? You know, so that's the good news is money actually is pretty easy once we learn the basics. The hardest thing is, is obviously to apply it. So, so just like in the food thing, when we know, you know, a lot of sugar is bad for us and, and it hits the dopamine receptors, just like cocaine does, that we understand that, you know, we might need to stay away from the sugar. It's very addictive. And we understand the science of how that works. So we don't buy the, you know, we don't buy the donuts. We stay away from the cupcakes and every once in a while we might cave on a cupcake and that's okay. So on the money side, it's very similar is that dopamine works a very similar way. Like there's a shopaholic, an alcoholic, a, a carbaholic, whatever the case is, is that that's all attached to dopamine. So every time we buy something, we get that little dopamine hit and it feels good. And so it's being under, it's understanding things like that is like the biology and advertising and marketing is all designed, even the banking system, it's all rigged to take advantage of sort of our psychology and our biology. And so that means we do have to have certain sort of systems. I don't like the word budget, but, you know, how we know how we move our money, what sort of allowances we give to buying that we we consider part of our spending, part of our saving, because saving is actually future spending. And really, again, it's just learning some of these basic mechanics and then organizing our lifestyle in a way that we win and the banking system, the biology and psychology doesn't. What are some of your hard and fast rules for people? Do you have any, whatever you do, don't do this or whatever you do, do this? One thing that I like teaching is sort of is getting to this place almost where we started is, is spending some time getting to sort of asking the question, like I say, money and meaning. So if I had all the money in the world, what it, would it mean to me? And when I spend money, where am I spending it? So one money rule is you have to track your spending and it's a requirement. I mean, to this day, I track every dollar I spend and people would think I'm crazy based on just sort of the even income and net worth I have these days. But it's it's a money rule. It's what millionaires do is they track their spending. It's just like you know, if you're really looking on losing weight and becoming healthier, you're, you've got a food journal, you're tracking, not necessarily calories, but you're tracking your food, you're tracking this, you're tracking that. So you can really become self-aware because you don't realize that you're eating half the things you're eating because you're, you're kind of putting it out of your mind. But when you're tracking it and journaling it, it tells the truth. So money's a truth teller. Money is black and white. It's why I love money. It doesn't lie. I mean, it's there on the books. We can lie about it, but if the money doesn't lie when you look underneath the books. And so, so when we can track our spending, we look at, holy cow, I think I'm a really terrible financial situation, but when I really look closely at all that spending, I can see how it's sort of, you know, just falling right through my fingers. So that's one rule is that we have to track our spending and it's a lifestyle practice. 
Another thing is that, you know, once we get good at tracking our spending, it's really important to categorize this is look at these different categories so that we can really organize our spending accordingly. Because the maxim that I like to talk about is we kind of think our way, I don't know, subconsciously that I can earn my way out of a bad financial situation or or, you know, I earn my way to become a millionaire. But how millionaires are made is all through our spending. So we have to become really good spenders. And then two, we have to be mostly to be able to build the buckets, meaning sort of the cash, and to build our asset value, our net worth, our future cash flow that will replace our working income, is we have to consume less. And again, we're in a system, dopamine, meaning we get that sort of high when the Amazon box shows up or when we buy that new pair of jeans at Nordstrom. But there's also in this culture where we're just buying to, to look a certain way, you know, to, to have the right clothing, the right label, the right car, the right house, but to really, to build net worth, to become a bona fide millionaire and, you know, multimillionaire really is what we have to be. If we're going to have enough ca- future cash flow. Yeah. A million dollars it, ain't what it used to be. <laughs> no, I mean, well, and a million dollars is basically $40,000 of income. Mm-hmm. So to get to the place where you, let's say, want to retire and retire could be at any age is basically the only definition of retirement. And I like to replace that with freedom, financial freedom means that your asset income can replace your working income because then you get all your time back and you can do whatever the hell you want to do with your time because your asset cash flow pays for your lifestyle, the cost of your lifestyle. So that's what retirement is. That's what financial freedom is. You know, we have to spend less today to be able to build that for tomorrow. You know, our consumption chips, chips away at our hierarchy of needs and are we we just we're consuming too much we're buying too much we're spending too much and we're not tracking it and so that's you know, you have to cut out the carbs to be healthy, not the carbs necessarily, but you have to cut out the sugar, so much sugar to be healthy. Well, we have to cut out the spending to be financially healthy, but that doesn't mean life isn't good without spending as much. I mean, I have a great, a high fat, really organic, great relationship with food. I feel I can eat whatever I want minus the cupcakes, mm-hmm. you know, and it works for me. Like, I don't feel like I'm giving up anything necessarily. Yes, I'd like, I wish I could eat more carbs and sugar, but the the compromise is okay. Same on the money side. I mean, there is some give up, but in the grand scheme of things, it's so much more, it's so much bigger and more meaningful and more powerful. And then you see your money grow and you can see the good it can do and it's less stress and less conflict. You know, when you see sort of the what it can do when it's working, when the momentum grows positively, it's so worth giving up some on the front end. And when you can see you look great and that you've lost 20 pounds and you feel more vibrant, have more energy than ever because you gave up the cupcakes, it's like, it's, it's a good exchange. I mean, it's a good trade-off. I would love to do some just sort of rapid fire Q and A with you. Okay. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So you said tracking. You and I are both completely on the same page about that. My hard and fast rule is never carry a balance on the credit card. Agree or disagree? Agree. How about those retail credit cards that they give you every time you walk through a doorway in any retail outlet? Are they a good idea or a bad idea? (laughs) (laughs) Stay away. All right. And does it help your credit score to open up 15 different credit cards? It hurts your score. And it equally hurts your score to close down credit accounts that you've had for a long time. So many people will do that, that once they, you know, start getting into this money thing, they start closing down maybe 
four or five credit cards that they've had open that even have zero balances. But what for your credit score, what the credit agencies like to see is that you can carry high, you know, balance available balances, but you have zero balance that shows, you know, that gives you a score that says, okay, all this debt is available, yet they don't use it. Okay, I want to make sure that we understand that. So taking out a bunch of credit cards is a bad idea. And there's some myth around that, Christina, people think that the more credit cards they have at their disposal, the higher their credit rating will be what you're saying is, it is also detrimental if you have a credit facility open for a long time to then shut it down because keeping it open actually aids in your credit score because it says this person has this much credit available to them. Am I recapping that correctly? Yes. And you know, the way credit scores work, it's, it's all, it's all an algorithm. So every time you open a credit card, you get dinged. And that shows, especially if you're open a lot of cards that shows the credit bureaus, basically they're scoring it like, okay, this person's opening a lot of credit. There must be something wrong here. So then it's a ding against you. However, like if slowly over time you've had, you've had credit cards or, you know, accounts open and paid off, keep them open. There's it's because like I said, that actually helps your score because it shows the bureaus that you have all this available credit, but you don't max it out. And that's another thing that dings you. If you have a lot of credit and you're maxed out across a bunch of different cards, that's going to significantly negatively impact your credit score. So all these sort of levers factor in, but, but most people don't know every time you apply, it's dinging your credit and your credit score is so important. I mean, that's something that's a little money tip is that everybody should know their credit score and like your social security number almost, but you need to know your credit score and you want to keep your credit score high because it can impact so many other financial and or life, uh, opportunities. For example, if you're applying for, for life insurance, if you have a bad credit score, it, it deems you to, to be able to be, get the highest life insurance policy. So credit scores are very important. And so we need to sort of guard them with our life, but that's a, that's a money tip, know your credit score and then do whatever it takes to keep it high. That's excellent information. And I just learned something. Okay. If level two is managing your asset portfolio and, you know, you have you have investments that you're taking care of, but level one is I just got quick in and started tracking for the first time. Okay. What do you recommend to level oneers? What should they have? What should their portfolio, if you will, look like? Should they have a checking account, a savings account, a high interest savings account, one credit card? Like what is sort of the ideal starter kit look like? You know, that's a really great question. One thing I like to teach is that there's really three money disciplines. And, and this is important because it can get confusing otherwise. And I call it earn, spend, and invest. And so these are all sort of three money skills that we want to develop. Where our millions are made, basically, our, our net worth, it's made in our spending and our personal books, like our that tracking we're talking about. So that's what we have to, like tip one really, is that we have to really look and track all of our expenses, categorize our expenses, looking at where we're spending too much, and reorganize our spending. One, but once we really get our spending system and allowances sort of set up, then the next step is really then to look at our income because then our income, our earnings become our accelerators, how fast we can start pushing money through our spending system because part of the spending system that I teach, it's a little counterintuitive 
and no one else teaches it this way, is that savings is part of spending. So I give you spending allowances for what I call your living expenses and then your saving expenses because that's what savings are. We're saving, we're swiping or sweeping is what I call it. We're sweeping and swiping. Instead of swiping our credit cards, we're sort of swiping into out of our main checking account into what I call your savings buckets. And these buckets are like what I call shave to save where little bits over time, you're taking money, you're spending money to pay you versus pay the credit cards or pay people like the banks out there. So you're slowly but surely filling these saving buckets. And I teach a system for five buckets. The first bucket is what I call taxes, which is the tax bucket for all the entrepreneurs out there, non-W2s. That's not applicable to W-2ers, but that was one thing that got me in big trouble is early on in my real estate career, I didn't pay taxes. And then the IRS was knocking on my door for $100,000. And the IRS isn't very nice to you when you owe them money and you can't bankrupt your way out of the IRS. So so that's why, you know, you sweep to pay the tax, the tax man because that's not your money. Then you sweep automatically to take care of your future self. And that is for your future assets, your future, the assets you build, which will be your future income. And then the rest of your spending is really split between your living expenses and your savings expenses. And your living expenses, obviously, are what it costs to live. And I break those into living and luxury. So you can sort of differentiate between sort of the required spending and where all that money is just sort of, you know, going down the toilet, if you will, by, by not paying attention to it. But then savings is what I call your reds buckets, which I call your rainy day, your education and your dreams bucket. So every single paycheck, you're swiping just a little bit. And I have a formula that I teach, but it doesn't matter. You just swipe a little bit to start slowly but surely filling that bucket. You want to make sure your emergency bucket, your rainy day bucket is at least six months for W-2ers. And I like nine to 12 months for, for entrepreneurs or non-W-2ers because that's your own bank account where you borrow against it during your slim months. So you don't have to put anything on your credit card. There's your education bucket because we're spending too much on entertainment, on entertaining ourselves and not enough on educating ourselves. And good education, I mean, that's great. We can do these podcasts. And the great thing is there's a lot of free learning these days. But to really learn, we need to go to conferences. We need to pay for mentors or coaches. We need to read books. You know, education, again, it's a discipline. It's it's something we do. And to pay for, I mean, to get good education, you pay for it. So, that's I re, I advocate having an education bucket where you're you're trimming down some of your entertainment expenses and moving that reorganize that into your education bucket so that you can, can because that's very attached to growth and earnings, and then your last bucket is your dreams bucket and this is what I call your D bucket and it's your debt payoff bucket. So if you're in debt, the first thing we do is we start sweeping to be able to and I teach a whole rapid fast pay, debt payoff system because you have to get out of debt fast if you're going to be a millionaire, but you first use that bucket to wrap fast pay off your debt and then it becomes your dreams bucket and stay out of debt bucket and this is where you start every single paycheck you grow that bucket and then that's out of that bucket that's where you take that your vacation that's where you pay cash for your next car that's where you pay for your dreams and then sort of what happens is once you get really good at this is that your living expenses become less than the amount that you spend on your buckets and you start living out of your buckets. You live out of educating yourself and being all the tax write-offs of traveling the world to educate 
and then obviously to pay cash for your dreams and make sure you're really living that life of meaning and being able to fund it. So your buckets fund what you care about in these different categories. And then the final discipline is the investment. And that's the most skill-based one, obviously, is that that there is some skill to investing if you want to get good at it and, and really start building more of an 8% return or whatever it ends up being just by putting it in the market and letting other people take care of it for you. So I do teach how to become an investor, which is a different level of study, but it's really fun once you get into it. Do you have any last tips or any starting place, anything you'd like to leave with our listeners? I think the biggest thing, a couple things I like to say is that play the wealth game and not the income game and spending game. Like really make this a goal to build wealth and health and freedom. And it's a different game than what we're in culturally. I mean, culturally, we're just in the consumption, keep up with the Joneses, even if we don't think we are. And then to get good at money, like make money. Money impacts us and across the board. It's hard to be, I mean, again, politically correct or not to say it, it's hard to be optimally healthy if you don't have money because- health is a good health is expensive. <laughs> so, you know, the more money you make, the more money you make, the more you, you know, I have a, I have a health investment bucket where I spend a significant amount of money each year investing in my number one asset, which is my body that I didn't treat my body like an asset before. So I invest in me. Christina gets a lot of cash put into her little motor here. And, and it's not cheap. And so that's a big part of what drives me. And even on the income and wealth building is so I can funnel a bunch into my health and well-being and experience to really live my purpose and my life and reason for being here, which we're all here for a purpose and money funds our dreams. And so we have to get good at the money. Christina. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Really, probably the easiest way is just to Google my name, Christina Wise, with a K and two S's, and my website's wealthywealthy.life. I will make it super easy for everyone to find you, Christina. And I thank you so much for your time. This I've learned something. I love it when that happens. Yay. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thanks, Christina. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.